welcome to the Kosafa Show with Mark Gleason and Nick Say. Welcome to this latest episode of the Kasafa Show as we chat to one of South Africa's rising stars who has deep connections to the home of Cristiano Ronaldo and is hoping to break through into the Bafana Bafana squad in the coming years. We also find out the latest on the match officials front in the Kasafa region from renowned referees manager Felix Tangoarima and chat to another local legend in Fran Hilton-Smith about a recent initiative between La Liga and Kasafa. First up, we speak to South African-born playmaker Ricardo Scutter, who was in the acclaimed FC Porto Academy, and this season was on loan at La Liga two-side Mirandes. A foot injury looks to have scuppered his chances of making South Africa's Olympic Games squad, but he explains his difficult journey to date and why he is hopeful of one day representing Bafana Bafana. So if, if we just talk about when you when you started playing football then in Madeira, how, how did your passion for the game come about and, and where did it all start for you? It was like my 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 grandfather when he was alive, he used to 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 watch the game of our like town, you know, the Ribeira Brava. They played there and uh, he always wanted for me to go with him and watch the game. And we, we used to watch the game and I don't know, my mother one day just had the idea that I could could play. And I I went there and there was I was so young that there was nothing like a championship for me. So I started training alone with my mother and stuff. And then one coach was watching me and told me that I was good. And it started from there. Sounds like your mom has been quite influential in your career so far. Well, the early my grandmother, my grandmother a little bit more. Okay. But my yeah. mom used to to take me to practice and stuff. And did you have any sort of role models when you were growing up, players that that you aspired to be like, even if it was a local coach or someone like that or, or obviously a you know a global star obviously coming from Madeira we always watch Cristiano Ronaldo you know <laughs> it's the, it's obvious and I don't know I always I like United a lot because of him I like Real Madrid a lot because of him and now I like Juventus a lot because of him always watching him play and it was like a role model for me yeah I mean obviously you know South Africa knows Cristiano Ronaldo and a global great to the game but we often don't appreciate how Revered he is, especially in Madeira. Um, you know, I think there is the airport named after him, or there's a statue at the airport and whatnot. Just how big is Cristiano Ronaldo on, on oh, the island? And it's it's very it's like our I don't know, like the best thing that happened to Madeira is Cristiano Ronaldo. Into Portugal too, but coming from like a small small island, you know, it's just a great impact that he does have in the in the community and stuff. Everybody talks about him, everybody loves him, and it's like he's like a star for all the young kids that want to be like football players. If you come from Madeira, you just look at Cristiano Ronaldo. Where did he come from? What did he did? How difficult was his life in Madeira because he was not like a, a stable guy like with the money and just see me growing and playing. It's just like a role model for everyone who's starting to play. And I guess it's not just his skill, but it's the way he looks after himself. Yes, yes, of and, course. You know, of course. He's, he's so professional in the way that he operates and to still it's be unbelievable. at the age of 36 or whatever he is, to still be playing that way is just remarkable and, and an inspiration, I guess. Yeah, of course, of course. And yeah. just like, I have like a, it's not the same history as him, but it's like, quite similar you know because I moved to Portugal when I was 10 and he moved also when he was young but then he went to United I went to Rivav but it's like similar because I can see him and I, I went to the stuff that he also went through with the difficulty with the accent from Madeira to Portugal and I, I feel his pain and 
it's like I always watch him, and I will always will, will watch him and try and do the things that he does. And then, you know, it seems you you played locally on Madeira, and then you say you you moved to the to the mainland. You you joined Porto's academy, is that correct? Yes, correct. Yeah, for a couple of years, I think you were maybe as you said, you were ten years old there, sort of ten to twelve. Just you know, obviously Porto is a massive, massive club you know what was it like even at a very young age being part of the academy there at first I didn't, it, it was so quickly that i didn't believe that was happening because it was like we have a meeting in madeira and after the meeting one guy from porto came to me and told me that he wants me to play but when you are a young kid you don't think of the stuff that it, my family had to go through for me just to go play for another club because for me i just a hey, grandmother i want to play for porto and i didn't know what that he needs to change all his life all the things changed for my family because of me. But in the young age, we just, I want to play football. I want to play football. And I went, I was 10, I think. I moved to, to Porto and it's like, it's like a completely different thing. Mentality, training, conditions, everything. And I was, I felt like I was, I was growing in that. Like I was alone with my grandmother and it was very, very difficult times. Because like, if you are young and I was like, the things that I told you with the accent from Madeira, I was bullied a lot when I was younger in school and stuff. And I remember that me and my grandmother just start crying almost every night in the beginning, just the two of us alone in a, somewhere we didn't know no one. And it was difficult, but the football was going very well when I was young. Everybody liked me when I was playing. And then I, I was, my, my sister and my mother was having a tr difficult times also in Madeira. And I have the, the opportunity, they told me if I, if I want to, I can live in an adoption family for a year. And that's what I did. I stayed with a family. My grandmother went back to Madeira mm. with my mother and my sister. And I stayed one year with a family that I didn't know. And did that, did that help to settle you or was it more destabilizing? Let's see. It was a great, great family. Uh, truly need to, to say that because they treat me very, very, very well. But you are 11 years old. You don't have any friends. You don't have your family. It's difficult. And I was crying also. And, but the family was awesome. And I think it built character, you know, it made me grow. But after that year, all my family came to, to Porto for me to play. Yeah. Then you moved to Rio. Avesh, how did that come yes, about to, to go from, from Porto today? I think it's the time that I almost thought I was I was going to give up because I was thinking like all my family came from Madeira for me, but because I was playing in Porto, it was not because I was playing in Iriwav or other other clubs, because I was playing in Porto and they came, they did all this stuff just for me. And now I'm out of Porto and I'm going to play for a club that is not as big as Porto, you know. And I was thinking like we should go back to Madeira and I, I don't know. But then my grandmother always Always, always supported me and was telling me that everything's going to be okay. But it was a difficult change, but it was a good change for me because uh, Porto, it's it's very difficult, very good, good, good players. And, and in Riwav, I had the opportunity to play more, to show more and grow also as a as a football player. Yeah, and I, I think you, I stand corrected, but I think you made your, your senior team debut in the Europa League. Is that correct? In yes, yes, yes. Correct. Did that come as quite a surprise or did you kind of feel it was coming? In the Europa League? No. Yes. <laughs> I was expecting like the Primera Liga, Portuguese, but it was it was like a, a dream come true for real. I started like the, um, the preseason with the, the first team and uh, the first games were, were the qualifications for the Europa League. And we went to Poland and uh, I was in the squad but I didn't play but just being in the squad I was like I'm living a dream you know I'm here traveling to Poland to play to play a Europa League game but I didn't I didn't get in but then in the second second leg 
we needed to 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 score a lot of, a lot of goals to pass and i went i think like 10 15 minutes but it was really 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 good and and just sort of what's happened since then so you 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 had a full season with the b side which seemed to go pretty well i think you got 11 goals or so or so yes yes what what was that season like for your development as a player in my first senior year it was also very 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 difficult because before the first year of the eight of the professional team i got an injury very bad that i broke my my foot and i stay out for like seven eight months i think and then i was i didn't know what to do because not many teams would, would want me because i didn't play as much and i didn't do the stuff that i wanted to do but then Hiwav came with the b team because they didn't have to it was the first year and they created a, a B team and told me to join them. And like, it saved me because I started playing, I started doing good. And that's when I went to, um, they called me to the, the first team. So yeah, it was a, a, like a really, really good first year of senior because it, I played a lot of games. And if you play, you show your qualities. And if you show your qualities, people will see. And then it will give you opportunity. If you if you deserve an opportunity, they will give you. And they gave me. And I'm very thankful. And and now this season, you're on loan uh, at, uh, in La Liga, or Liga 2, um, at Fernandes. Yeah. Just yes. how did that move come about? Because I was then the B team went to, they, they stopped and created an under-23 championship. I don't know if you know, in Portugal, yes, they have an under-23 championship. And it was a it was a league that had a lot of visibility. A lot of people would look for them to buy players because it was young and with quality. And Mirandes was watching me since last year. They wanted me to go last year, but things didn't went out with the negotiation because I had like a very good good under twenty three championship last year. And they but the the deal didn't go through. And then they still was interested in me this year that's why they they continue talking to me and stuff and fortunately the things go go as planned and uh, the negotiation went through and i'm here and i'm very very happy we often think of them as very similar but is is the spanish and the portuguese game kind of very similar is it an easy adjustment for you to make from one to the other i was i, I was used to play with with friends you know mm. it was like we will play together like for six seven years or, or something like that and now i was brought into a, a different environment people that I didn't know that it's not my friends and I need to adapt to that the language also it's similar but it's 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 different but the football it's like a more uh, adult football I would say you know it's like uh, you need to think more think more quickly you need to do stuff the simple stuff you need to do you don't need to exaggerate in your movements you need to do simple stuff and good stuff and it's that it's the difference because i was playing like a under 23 championship and now things are a little bit faster a little bit you need to be a little bit more sharp and i think that's the difference it's like the same but little bit more or everything. And and you seem to have got quite a bit of game time so far this season. Are you quite happy? You said you were very happy to be there. Are you happy with how this season has gone so far for you? Uh, let's see, because I had like a few injuries. But in the beginning, I was doing very, very well. I was... Uh, I think I adapt very, very quickly to the game, to the team. I was doing well. I was playing like 90 minutes every game. And then I had a, a little injury, then another one, then another one. But now I think I'm coming back. I already do last game. I did like uh, 85 minutes. I think I'm coming back and I'm, and I'm really enjoying because I'm learning a lot. And I'm, I think that I, it's the year that I, I'm learning the most. It's like, uh, and, and uh, if you are playing in, in the first squad, in the, 
the the, the team that starts the game if yeah, you are playing like yeah. consistently then you're gonna you're gonna show and you, you're gonna show your quality like i said you're gonna people will know and uh, a lot a lot a lot of a lot of people watch this this championship a lot of people are interested in this because it's like it's a very 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 quality and it's a very tough, very tough championship. Yeah. Could you just um, sort of describe your playing style? I mean, obviously, I know you're a forward, but are you more sort of a top target man's type striker, like a number nine or more of a number 10? No, I'd more like a number 10. Okay. I do. I, I love to be free, you know. I'm not like a striker that's only in the in the area or in, inside the box. I'm not too good inside the box. I'm more of a creative player that passes and do movements. Like I can go... In the in the line, I can go in the middle. I can go fetch the game close to the midfield. I like to be I like to be free. I'm not like a, a striker striker. I'm more like a nine and a half ten. And have you set yourself any goals that you'd like to achieve this season? Or as you say, is it just about learning and developing and growing as a player? Yeah, it's more about that. I have goals. I have goals. I have two goals to to play like very minutes. I want to to do the most minutes I can do. I want to do it because in the in the in the in the final in the season they're gonna see how much time you play. If you play long time, it's because you have quality, you know. And I want to do the the, the most minutes I can do, but I don't have like personal goals. Like I want to do fifteen goals or ten assists. Uh, it just comes naturally, and I'm not pointing to nothing like that, but just growing and learning and stuff. And and have you sort of thought at all about about international football? Is, is South Africa an option for you as as an international team? Yeah, of course of course, of course, yeah. I was uh I'm thinking about that like uh, 2 years ago. I was uh since then I was think I think a lot about playing for for South Africa and uh of course it's an option for me. Yeah. And I suppose that I know for a fact that uh, the people at the South African Football Association are watching you. That must give you, I guess, confidence and, and motivation. Yes. Know that at least you're being looked at, you know, and at least. Yeah, of, of course, of course. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that that is happening. And I think I can, I can help the the team if they like me, if they like the style I play. If I, if they they think I'm gone, I'm good enough. Then yeah, I'll be more happy to to help them and they help me. And if we if if we just look beyond the season in terms of club football, you know what? Where do you, where do you hope to see yourself going from from here? Yeah, I still have one year contract with Hiwav. So there's that, but I I, I want to to do, uh, finish the the season strong. I want to do the best I can and discuss my contract. I don't know with uh, with uh, with the Hiwav team. And, yeah. and and do you um obviously there's there's some other South Africans who are in the Premier League in in Portugal. Uh, Luther Singh, see. yeah, Luther Singh, uh, see, see. yeah, uh, yes. Lyle Foster at Guimarães as well. Mm-hmm. Do you you haven't uh, do you watch them at all? Do you have any thoughts about them? Yeah. I, w- I watch more Luther Singh mm. uh, because I have like a friend who play with him in Braga. Yes, and they talk. They told they talk me a lot about him. That he's a very very good player, and we can see it now. He's doing a very very good season until now. And uh, I watch him on the on the tele. Last game, I think it was against Porto, and he did very very well. Joining us now is Kasafa referees manager Felix Tangawarima who is also a member of the Confederation of African Football's Referees Committee and a FIFA technical instructor. There have been some exciting developments with match officials from our region recently, not least the fact that we have a trio going to the Olympic Games in Tokyo later this year. Tell us all about that, please, Felix. 
Uh, Mark, you know, the, the time we are living in is uh, very difficult, but you know, every time we have some exciting news, you know, it is a great pleasure for the zone, for Kosafa as a region, to have a trio going to the Olympics. From the two trios going to the Olympics in the tournament, in the continent, uh, Kosafa is represented by three. Uh, which is Gomez from uh, South Africa as a referee. We have Soru from uh, Lesotho and uh, Malengula from uh, from Mozambique. What makes this development exciting for Kosafa and the referees department is that these are the products of our under-17. You know, in under-17, we have an opportunity to use the referees who are not in FIFA, on the FIFA list. And we identified these referees when, when we were going around the, the Kosafa countries. And we brought them together, brought them to the under-17 tournaments, and they've grown up to where they are now. I mean, through all the stages of Kosafa, up to CAF, you know, third uh, games, CAF, you know, junior tournaments, Africa, AFCON, and they look now, they are going to the Olympics. And before they went to the Olympics, they were at the World Cup under-17. So you can see our development program is consistent with what we want the referees to achieve. We've also seen the emergence of uh, top female referees from the Kosafa region the last couple of years, including some who officiated at the men's tournaments, such as the African Nations Championship and the CAF Under-20 Cup of Nations. That must be exceptionally pleasing for you. You see, what we have done as Kosafa is that uh, we actually taken the you know the the progress of female referees as our priority as a result you find out we use them in our tournaments for example if you look at uh, the tournaments we held last year in december the under 17 and the under 20 we actually had uh, almost 50 50 men and the, and 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 the female referees surprisingly our female referees did exceptionally well you could see actually we had uh, for example in chan we were represented with the benadetta from malawi she was officiating in Chan. We had uh, Akona, uh, who did very well during the under-20, you know, uh, in, in, in Port Elizabeth. She went further to, to go to Mauritania for the under-20 proper, where she did very well. What is exciting, Mark, is that uh, the clips, when she was refereeing, you know, in, in Mauritania, we have now incorporated them into our teaching material for the entire continent telling them that, look, this is what we want you to do. If a lady referee can do this, why can't you do it? So you find out it's, it's really exciting for us as, as a zone. And uh, three weeks ago, she was in Tunisia as a fourth official for the Champions League. So we, our referees, our female referees, we really have all the faith in them. Last year, we had Diana Chikotesha, who actually participated in the Olympic uh, tournament in, uh, in Egypt. So basically, we, we have actually made a stride in terms of women development in our, food, in our department as referees. The other issue, Felix, where there's a lot of progress these days is the uh, issue of professionalizing the referees and it was recently announced by Kath it would be 20 match officials that would be, would be going fully professional um, including four from our Kusafa region. Can you tell us a little bit more about that as well, please? Yes, uh, because uh, what's happening is we are we are trying to to to, to professionalize you know, referees. 
And uh, CAF has come up with a, a panel of 20 referees as a, as a pilot project. We are starting with 20. And uh, out of the 20, we have four from our, our zone. Uh, which is a big, big, you know, development for us. We are supplying equally the, the bigger number in that group of 20. Victor Gomez, again, from South Africa. I mean, Victor Gomez and Joshua Bondo, these, these referees, we have used them as firefighters. Where they are hot games, you find out they are always there. You can see they are always traveling all over Africa, you know, uh, because of their strength, their personality. They are very strong referees. They are part of the, the, the professional team. We also have uh, Andofetra from Madagascar and uh, our Jani Sikazwe. All those four are actually on the professional you know, uh, panel of CAF. In addition to that, we also have our physical coach from, uh, from South Africa who is actually looking after these professional referees, Derek Hansen. He is actually the head now of uh, physical uh, coaching in, in the Kosafa region. Is actually looking at their physical aspect as we look, I mean, we follow them. And I'm also looking at their technical aspect as we actually monitor their progress. So you, you can see really as Kosafa, we are always becoming the leader in whatever we are doing. Whatever CAF wants to do, Kosafa is the leader in, 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 in this development. There's also a, a drive to introduce VAR on the continent. Um, is that something you would support? And, and you know, given the financial uh, restraints of it, is it implementable, do you think, across the whole of Africa? You find out, uh, I mean, VAR is there to stay. We can't run around, we can't run uh, away from it because it's being implemented. It's now incorporated into the laws of the game, which means it's there to stay. And uh, as Kosafa, we don't want to be left behind. We actually, through the Secretariat Sue and uh, and and uh, the, all the Kosafa staff, we have actually done you know groundwork to to actually try and have two of our tournaments, probably starting from the semifinals of the senior women and uh, the, to the finals and the semifinals of the senior men as a pilot project to to try and. Uh, and see if we can implement it. So if all goes well, if all goes well, these two tournaments this year, the last part of the tournament, we are going to try and you know, introduce VR into the game. Why are we taking the last you know, part of the tournament? As you know, for referees to officiate uh, as a VR referee, he has to be certified by FIFA. And uh, FIFA and the IFAB. So we, we, we have, yes, we have some referees who can do that. So like we have uh, Janice Kazwe, we have Victor Gomez, we have uh, Martin from Angola, uh, uh, Joshua Bondo. So you find out why we are not starting with the beginning of the, the tournament is because we don't want to constantly use the same referees for the whole tournament. So if we use our four senior referees who are certified to use uh, VAR at the end of the tournament, you'll find out it will work. But definitely, we are working on it. And again, we are told that there is a, a cheaper version of the VAR, which we are actually working on it as COSAFA. So I can safely say that, yes, as COSAFA, we are encouraging that uh, can our countries embark on this technology, which is for us as referees, we, we like it because it makes our referee's job easy. We, as long as we can make a good decision, a correct decision for us, yes, we, we embrace it.
you've detailed some wonderful progress for Kosafa in the refereeing sphere over the last couple of years. But obviously, the COVID-19 pandemic has scuppered a lot of your plans. I mean, how have you been able to keep up with your programs over this period of difficulty for all of us? You know, since March uh, last year, 2020, the effects of COVID continue to flow throughout the world. And the football ecosystem is still under siege. As referees department, we are under siege from this pandemic. And when you look at it, the pandemic is looking like likely to be with us for some time. However, we have put some new ways to deal with the impact to our referees, which is arising from this disruptive virus. So as uh, the referee department of Kosafa, we have taken advantage of the technology and they put some programs in place in which we are continuing with our online training, uh, both for referees and uh, for instructors, technical instructors and the physical instructors. We have embarked on the development of local instructors. What we have done is because of the restrictive movement we are facing, where we can't move from country to country, but within the country, they can actually group, you know, as long as they follow the, uh, the, the COVID protocol and they come together. So we, we have embarked on the development of local instructors, which is both the technical and the physical, as it is easy for them to help their referees from within their own countries, as uh, they are able to have some practical, face-to-face practical on-field training. So... As part of uh, this program, we, we, we held a five-day regional instructors course for 25 new instructors um, last year, towards the end of last year. 25 new local instructors. Out of the 25, we had five who were women. So again, as we go with this program, we have put in place uh, mid-May that uh, we are going to organize a futsal and a beach soccer course for our referees and our instructors. Again, we are using this uh, technology to go around the disruptive virus. Uh, Mr. Tangaruma, you mentioned there about futsal and, and beach soccer. What are your kind of immediate priorities for the next, say, six to 12 months if we look ahead now? You see, when you look at the COSAFA program of competitions, we have these tournaments on the calendar. As we have these tournaments on the calendar, Obviously, as the department, we want to be prepared before the tournament comes. So that's why we are saying with the, the second week of May, we are putting together some instructors. You see, what we want to do is we want to put instructors first and then referees. So we are going to organize a five-day you know, program, which is combined for futsal and, and beach soccer together in the five days. We will actually separate the, you know, the participants. I mean, since it's it's online, we are going to have some instructors from FIFA who will, give, who will help us with. Uh, there is one one guy from FIFA, and uh, I have been in touch with CAF. They are actually also lobbying some two instructors from Europe to come and help us. As you know, this this area it has been lagging behind. You know, in terms of uh, you know development, beach soccer referees and the futsal referees. You find out even within the national association themselves, they are not doing the same they do to the 11 aside. So we, we, we don't have many instructors specialized in those areas. We have some, yes, we have some in, in Mauritius, but we need a, a, little, a little bit of more of them so that
that we can develop our instructors. Remember, when we are having this tournament, we have to have the instructors leading the referees. So we develop the instructors and then we come up with a, with a system where we can have referees. We are earmarking to have at least two referees from every COSAFA you know, member association, uh, which means we are looking at about 28 to 30. And uh, within those uh, people, then we can separate to see which which ones can we use in beach soccer, which ones can we use in, in futsal. So we, we have actually gone, for, for our department right now, this is the, the on high priority because we, we need to put things together. We need to have referees. We need to have instructors. So because this, this is on the calendar this year, we have to see to it that by May, something will be in place already. We are joined now by legendary CAF and FIFA coaching instructor Fran Hilton-Smith, who not only has an exciting new book in the work, but also recently took part in a coaching workshop hosted by Spain's La Liga for tacticians from across the region. Fran, thank you for your time. Let's start with that workshop. How was it for you? Well, thank you very much, Nick, for the chat. Um, the workshop is absolutely brilliant. It's running at present with two uh, kind of topics. One is a, a master class focusing more on tactics, technical player development, and then a club session on how to work with academies, etc. But for me, the the most exciting thing uh, I really pushed for this. But we've got around forty seven women um, on this workshop. Some attending the master class, some the club session, but. Every country of the 14 is represented by a woman in some aspect, and that really is groundbreaking for Kasafa and so exciting to be empowering the women in our region. So very great. I'm really happy about that. Yeah, now, and speaking of that, the, the National Women's League has just kicked off for the new season in South Africa. That must be a welcome development. Yes, exciting. The girls have been out of action for so long with COVID. So really exciting this weekend to the National League kicking off. And of course, the big guns in the league already stamping their mark. Uh, Sundowns, uh, uh, 5-0, I think it was, one uh, JVW, the new contenders, but powerhouse with a lot of national team players coming away 5-1. And then uh, two of the top teams drawing, UWC and TUT, playing out to a draw. So I think already the, the strongest contenders stamping their mark. But of course, early days and uh, other teams who have been there have had a chance to get a feel of it. So it bodes for an exciting uh, Women's National League this year. Yeah, and, and feeding into that, of course, we have the uh, the introduction of a Women's Champions League in the Kasafa region this year, where South Africa will be represented by Sundowns. But of course, we've got seven clubs from the rest of the region. Uh, again, a, a very exciting development. Groundbreaking, this Kasafa uh, League groundbreaking for the first time, I think, in history of women's football to have uh, teams from all the, the, the countries competing now uh, to find out contender for the, the, the CAF Champions League. So that's going to really give a big boost to women's football and enable us to see the standard in other countries compared to ours with the champions of last year's Women's League uh, leading the way in sundowns, the South African champions. 
And of course, coming up, it's a few months away still, but uh, Zambia are heading to the Olympic Games in Tokyo. They've been drawn in a tough group, of course. How do you see that panning out for them? Well, very tough, yes. I think uh, their first time playing some of these top countries to be drawn with Brazil, China and Netherlands, a tough draw. But then, of course, at the Olympics, there's no weak group, really. But uh, I think they they need to play a few more friendlies to prepare properly for that. They've just played South Africa where they, they lost. But uh, I think they should be playing before they go. Certainly a friendly against Nigeria, Cameroon, South Africa again, because the only way to prepare for a big uh, tournament like the Olympics is to compete. And that's always been the problem for African teams is they don't compete enough. So definitely for them, two or three more friendlies is going to be a big help to them because uh, it's, it's tough Olympics and they're in a tough group. Now, you, I believe, have a, a book in the works. Can you tell us a, a little bit more about that? Well, yes, I've decided about a year ago to start writing my memoirs, my biography. So it's nearly complete. Of course, the big focus being on my life in football over 40, 50 years. I started, I developed and my travels in Africa, specifically Nigeria, many times over. But I've also focused on other aspects of my life. I've been a musician for most of my life and played in a big African jazz band called Basadi Women of Jazz. And luckily with them and through football, I got to meet Madiba twice. So not many people have that opportunity. And also about my teaching, generally my life growing up. So I hope it will appeal to many people. And uh, it's quite funny in places. So I'm nearly finished with that and hope to have it out sometime this year. So the book is an inspirational book to inspire other women to start on a path in football or music and fight the fight, as I've done, to take women's football to another level. That's it for another episode of the Kasafa Show as we head into what will be a crucial period for many of our Southern African sides with the qualifiers for the 2022 World Cup about to start in a month's time. We will have a lot more on that in our next episode. Don't forget you can listen to more of our podcasts on Soccer Laduma Radio, Kasafa.tv, Spotify and iTunes. And you can also get the latest news via our website at www.kasafa.com and on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and TikTok.